Welcome back to the Comics Course, an offering of Miskatonic University's remote education program, offering Literature 209, Graphical Literature and Society and History, as a publicly available podcast. Today we continue our Thursday episodes for Pride Month with Genderqueer, a memoir by, and I hope I'm pronouncing this correct, Maya Kobabe. Now, I had said in an earlier episode that I wasn't going to cover genderqueer because I was trying to keep Pride Month really on the pride side and, you know, the happy, positive side. But I was thinking about it because genderqueer is one of my personal favorites that cover the transgender side of the LGBTQ spectrum. And I was really looking for a book that I thought would be about transgender because, frankly, when I just kind of browse my graphic lit reading uh, about LGBTQ, the truth is lesbian stuff is far and above the most common. Just far and above. Now, I know part of that is that there are a good number of queer women who make comics. That's a component. But when I looked at the creators of many of these, they were men. Now, I don't know how many are hetero men, and I'm very happy to say that in many of those stories... Uh, sex even wasn't even an important component. I mean, there's just, they weren't done for sexualization. Now, perhaps they were done to be inclusive that way, uh, but they weren't there for a cheap lesbian thrill. But it did leave me going, I, I don't want to do uh, four or five episodes, I forget how many Thursdays there are in June, that are just a bunch of stuff about lesbians uh, because not because it's not worthwhile. I mean, I could do podcasts every Thursday for a year and still have stuff about uh, lesbian uh, experiences and graphic literature to talk about, but it's not very representative. Yeah. And there are so many other voices out there. And I kept mentally going back to genderqueer. And so I sat down and I reread it a few days ago and thought to myself, okay, yeah, there are some painful moments in this that are difficult. But overall, I do think that this is a positive story. I don't think it's wholly depressing. Mm -hmm. And I do think that the uh, experiences of the narrator, I mean, this is a memoir, it's autobiographical, mm -hmm. uh, are valid. And sometimes you don't get to the happy point of your life without some pain. Mm -hmm. So, while I still want to stay away from things that are wholly depressing, to, you know, paraphrase George Carlin from uh, 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 the uh, uh, Skew-Averse movie he was in, where he was the bishop introducing, you know, the smiling Jesus um, <laughs> as the new icon of the church during their year of plenary indulgence. Um, why are you laughing at that? Well, that's a funny mental image, that's well, why. Okay. Well, I mean, there's nothing George Carlin's done that's not worth watching. I'm just saying. And it is important to distinguish, because he has been in multiple View Askew movies. One as the hobo who taught Jay the rules of the road. Which did not go well when Carrie Fisher as a nun drove up. No. Although it amused the hell out of me. So... Genderqueer, a memoir by Maya Kobabe. Uh, memoirs are different. Mm -hmm. So when we talk about literature, usually we can talk about metaphors and themes and, you know, all, all these tropes of literary discussion, uh, tropes themselves being a point of literary discussion. 
this is a memoir, and while it's by definition going to be selective, and so we can view it as a literary work, not just a collection of facts, uh, because the per we also have to keep in mind not only is it selective, but it may not be entirely true. Some things may be abstracted, characters may be condensed for simplistic storytelling. Um, it, it's not a reliable set of facts. But it's now still not quite the same as something that's just made up to express things. It is a combination of expression and facts, which is interesting. And so when we talk about the LGBTQ spectrum... I find some things easy to grok and some things harder. Now, I am a hetero, hetero cis male. Uh, I've always been very comfortable being male. I've always been comfortable with my hetero identity. I've been hit on by gay men. It was actually pretty flattering because they were hot. Um, but no interest on my part. Just not there. Sorry. Uh, but I found, I've always found it easy to understand concepts related to sexuality. Uh, even though they're fairly binary. You know, uh, male, female, hetero, gay, bi. Uh, but when you start moving outside binary states, it becomes more confusing to me. And I admit this is partially because of the worldview I grew up in, and I've worked to understand this better. So when people talked about pan, it took me a while to understand how that was different from bisexual. <laughs> and it is, and I've come to understand that. It's, it's taken me a while. And when people talk about being transgender, you know, in, in the worldview that I grew up in, it's like, okay, so you're a cross-dresser? No. So you want to become the other gender? No. There are all these other points on the spectrum. And it's taken me a while to grok the spectrum. And honestly, I think genderqueer here probably helped me for understanding that more than anything else I read. So it has a, a, a sort of place in my heart of thankfulness towards Maya uh, Kobabe. And if Maya Kobabe ends up hearing this and I'm slaughtering your name, I'm really, really sorry. We're trying. I'm trying. So it, she writes and draws it, colors her by Phoebe Kobabe. Mm -hmm. uh, her sister is a graphic artist in her own right, and I believe this is the sister of Phoebe. Mm -hmm. And is published by Lion Forge, who I think is a great imprint that's done amazing stuff. And I don't know how to talk about this without being at least somewhat linear. So I am going to go through it some and talk about the progression. Because this is a progression that Maya shares of their life. Uh, and I feel bad for saying there because I know from reading this that they prefer the Spivak pronouns. Air, M, A, I think they are. I, okay, I'll be honest. Spivic pronouns are something that were big 10 plus years ago in the trans, you know, non-binary community. Uh, and it seems to me like they've disappeared and people have settled on they, them, their as the most common. So I've gotten into, a, a, I think, a pretty good habit of using they, them, their. Uh, but I, I find myself asking what the correct spivic pronoun is when someone uses them and kind of stumbling over it. I, I apologize, but I've never heard of spivic pronouns. That's, that's a new thing to me. It's actually an old thing. Mm. But I don't think they're commonly used. But I do think some people still stick with them and prefer them. Mm -hmm. 
and I'm not going to say what's right or wrong. You know, this is one of those discussions when it comes to what pronouns to use. I can tell you what I find easier to remember, but since I'm not a person asking to use them or be identified with them, I don't feel like I have a horse in the race. Mm -hmm. I'll just go with whatever people want as best as mm -hmm. I can. And that topic comes up here later as Maya encounters people who, in fact, are usually very understanding, including her mother, who feels like she's just, they, uh, uh, Maya, is just making life difficult for her. Mm. Um, and, and it's not as simple as good person, bad person. Mm -hmm. uh, it's a whole underlying discussion that obviously pushes the mother's comfort levels, even though she was comfortable with many other things. Mm -hmm. So, as the story starts, Maya is headed to college, where they're going to study um, art and get a master's degree in making comics. Nice. Which is pretty awesome. Mm -hmm. You can do that in San Francisco. <laughs> I didn't even know that was a thing. Yep. And a master's of fine arts in comic books. Mm. It's a real thing. I thought you'd just go and get an art degree and then try your best to get in the certain art field you want. Nope. Uh, California College of the Arts Writers Studio. So they say uh, that when they, Maya says that when they went there, they had no interest in memoir. They were going to do fiction. But the first class was an autobiography class and ended up pushed in this direction and finding that uh, they had something to say. And that ended up being this book, Gender Queer. Going back, she said, she goes, see, I'm doing it. She, they <laughs> went back and I'm going to try to continue to use they until we hit the specific pronouns and pound those back into my brain. They say in October, 1992, their family moved into one of two houses on a 120 acre property in Northern California with no electricity and no flush toilets. Oh. Maya was three years old and the sister was one. And the neighbors had a few kids, Bra Bronwyn, Galen, and Rebecca. And she goes through this whole story about being very young and just being. You know, when you're really little, gender roles are not assigned heavily. Nobody really cares. The difference between a boy and a girl at five or six years old is insignificant. And they mm -hmm. aren't showing those biological traits yet in an obvious way. Mm -hmm. And then found that once started going to school, she was behind in some ways from some other students and started being identified by gender. And she tells us, they tell a story. God, I, you're doing really bad at this today. And I, I guess this does to some degree show how hard it can be to unlearn a lifetime of habits. Mm -hmm. Because I'm sincere about trying to use pronouns in a way that make people comfortable. But I find myself failing a lot. So they tell a story about playing ball with the students and grabs it. And some boy yells, what even are you, a boy or a girl? And Maya thinks to her themselves, I'm glad he couldn't tell. And Maya also shares a story about going to the beach and taking... And I'm going to say her intentionally here now, because at the time she's being identified as a girl. She mm -hmm. thinks that she's a girl. She's not comfortable with it. She already at this very young age has a sense that it's 
being identified as a girl is not right, but she doesn't know any other form of identification yet. Mm-hmm. But she takes her shirt off to go walk into the water and is fussed at by being told that she's acting like a girl and a teacher insists that she put a shirt on. And Maya had the sense of that they didn't do anything wrong, but that everybody else was being silly. And Maya says that their parents weren't real interested in the gender roles either. Maya's mother was in some ways masculine. Maya's father was in some ways feminine. Both uh, very interested in science and art and all kinds of things. And just wanted to kind of be themselves and wanted the kids to be themselves. And Maya relates these difficulties in school. That everybody seemed to have access to information that she lacked. And again, I'm using she intentionally here. Because being identified as a boy and hasn't had the self-sense to say they're not a boy. that Or not a girl. That they are uncomfortable with it. They kind of know they don't want to be, but what is the alternative? Mm-hmm. And this thing of everyone around me, but especially girls, seem to have access to information I lacked. That really spoke to me. I think everybody knows that feeling, don't they? Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it doesn't go away at any point in your life, by the way. But I think the teen years are especially bad for it. Mm-hmm. It really is rough as a teenager to feel like everybody knows stuff that you don't. And why don't you? Mm-hmm. So Maya showed an early talent for drawing, uh, lack of fear at snakes, and was originally not a very good reader, but became obsessed with the Harry Potter books and really developed their reading skills reading them, which I thought was kind of neat. Yeah. Because the truth is, that's how people become readers, by finding something that speaks to them and really sinking their teeth into it. Mm-hmm. It was certainly true for me. And while all these changes are happening intellectually and socially, one day Maya doesn't feel well and pulls down their pants to find blood. Ah, yes, the horrifying way to find out. And, you know, there's this weird thing that I don't understand where adults are like, oh, isn't that so beautiful? They're a woman now. No, it fucking hurts. And blood's coming out of your body is fucking terrifying, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm not a woman, but I can guess this. The first time I got mine, I nearly crapped my pants. I was terrified, and I knew what it was. I don't blame you at all. And Maya shares the, these books that they read, including uh, Alana the Lioness by Tamara Pierce, um, and... Maya says, Alana's first question on starting her period was, how long do I have to put up with this? I didn't ask to be born a girl. It's not fair. And because of these books, Maya knew that the periods involved, you know, a monthly cycle, that it was connected with the ability to become impregnated if you had sex, and that it was a normal thing. But like the character of Alana, Maya felt, I didn't choose this. Why? It's not fair. And again, I think that's a normal, healthy reaction for people. I'm a cis woman, and I ask myself that every day in my period. As I I don't blame you at all. If I had a period, I would feel kind of, you know, uh, uh, done the dirty by nature myself, right? (laughs) 
and, and, and for anybody who wants to argue intelligent design, explain this. You know, A, I think nature could have a better system potentially than periods anyway, and certainly could find a way for them to not hurt so much for so many mm-hmm. women, if it was intelligent design. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> Maya shares this story of, you know, not wanting to tell her parents that uh, they have a period, but finally do. And the parents are, like, almost proud and, and give her this little pendant to wear as, because she's become a woman. And Maya says, I still have it in the original box. I've never worn it. I could not see this as a reason to celebrate. Yeah, that, that, that's, that's... right. Don't Read blame the me. room. And, and she says that to this day, they have nightmares. Mm-hmm. God, don't do a drinking game, folks. Of how many times I accidentally say they or say she. Oh my god! This is exactly the kind of thing that trans people listen to and go, "Oh God, can they stop it? Oh God." <laughs> And I apologize. He's trying. I am. Um, I'm a creature of habit, people. It's hard. So there, there are some fairly horrific stories in there uh, uh, about her reactions to the bleeding. But I think this is natural. And I would be surprised if they're not shared by a lot of trans people. Oh, no. Hounds. Hounds. Oh, no, I don't think that's a freshman. Oh, jeez. They heard me talking about blood and they're getting excited. <laughs> Disgusting. The hounds. So, I'm trying to. Th- I don't want to sit here and read this. It's really worth people reading for their own. But the when she in when they entered high school, one of the things that changed was the senior came around to the classrooms and said they wanted to stri- start a queer straight alliance. And it took some courage, but Maya went to it and found that, like, for the first time in their life, they had found a sort of accepting community mm-hmm. and began to understand that they were queer. Now, this is one of those things that can be confusing to people who think in a binary state, and I say that because I'm trying not to at this point in my life, but... If Maya is with a woman, does that make her a lesbian? Bye. But what if she's not really a man? I mean, so there's this whole spectrum thing. And I think one of the things that people have to get used to, one of the things I've had to get used to, is that there aren't always going to be convenient labels. Mm-hmm. And there aren't always going to be convenient definitions. Sometimes it's just, here's this person and they are what they are. Feelings, and it may change. Feelings are messy and can't be put into boxes. Right. And... I found the messiness of Maya's feelings in this memoir counted as that. Because she goes on and on until she becomes they about how it's not so much about wanting to become a boy as it is about not wanting to have a gender at all. Mm -hmm. And Maya describes this thought process where, you know, she's, they are trying to be more masculine and move away from being feminine, but not over to being hyper-masculine, but more of a gender neutral. Mm -hmm. And in fact, they have this uh, thought exercise where they think, well, what if I'd been born a boy? 
and then realized that they'd be try they would make an effort to become more feminine to reach that gender neutral state, mm-hmm. and discovers that they're very attracted to androgyny. And in fact, there's a great section in here where Maya gets their father to pull out an old uh, David Bowie album on audio cassette tape called Changes, mm-hmm. and writes, it was the first time I could ever remember hearing queer references and song lyrics. I only let myself listen to the tape once through every day, afraid I would wear it out. And this led to some revelations in thinking. Maya became very interested in fan fiction, became very interested in slash homoerotic fiction, Mm -hmm. and often fantasized about having a penis. And one of the things that Maya discovered over time is that in terms of gender identity, they're androgynous, but has a sort of kink related to imagining having a penis, but without any accompanying physical sensation, Mm -hmm. which becomes confusing when they have a girlfriend at one point who thinks that uh, they will enjoy using a aid... That gives them an artificial penis. Mm -hmm. Uh, But in fact, the physical acts of sex are not very important to Maya. In fact, she, they appear to be, to me, very closely on the asexual spectrum. With maybe some exceptions. Mm -hmm. And when, in the course of trying to figure all this out, she says things to her mother like, and this is still early in her development that they might be by, mother goes, oh, eh, whatever, you know, I always thought that might be the case for you. But when trying to explain the gender identity involved, uh, the mother's very confused. And I think this is a common thing. I think that for people of my generation, which would be uh, uh, overlapping with Maya's parents' generation, The idea of sexuality being convoluted is not hard to understand, but the idea that gender isn't binary inherently is much harder to understand. Mm -hmm. Not that I've ever had any problems with people wanting to be something else and choosing to act something else, but coming to understand that actually biologically gender is not that simple has taken some reading and time and effort. Mm -hmm. And I think this is a wonderful memoir for kind of stepping through that experience and understanding it. Uh, One of the pages here shows these two trees, one growing up to a sort of feminine moon and one a masculine sun. And Maya writes on it, my deepest emotional relationships have always been with women. That means I was a lesbian, but my sexual fantasies involved two male partners. Was I a gay boy trapped in a girl's body? The knowledge of a third option slept like a seed under the soil. This seed put out a lot of leaves, and she writes on the leaves, well, they write on the leaves, things like, I wish I had a gender-neutral name. I wish I was a boy. I feel like something is wrong with me. I never want to have sex. I hate my breasts. I never want kids. I wish I had short hair. And Maya says, but I didn't have the language to identify the plant. And begins imagining that they might actually be two people, a, a male half and a female half that would have to be separated to be complete. And I love the structure that Maya uses through here to tell the story. It's often non-linear, 
and uses some creative paneling to show how the thoughts kind of twist and wrap in on themselves. Yeah, it's a really cool visual effect. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I was really amused by this panel when Maya writes, if only I could switch between sexes whenever I wanted, like Ranma from Ranma One Half. <laughs> I, do you know how many people I've heard that from? Do you know how yeah. many transgender people I've known who've said they watched Ranma One Half and went, oh my God. Yeah. For a lot of my friends, that was an awakening moment when they watched Mm -hmm. it for the first time. Oh, yeah. That and um, some Sailor Moon scenes for lesbians. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. So, I I don't know where to go on from talking about this, because the theme is a very simple thing. It's awakening. It's awakening to Maya awakening to their own reality. You know, understanding their gender identity, understanding their sexual identity, and not just coming to know them intellectually, but become comfortable with it. Everything from clothing to hair to biology, like breast binding, and her relationships with her family, who try to be supportive, but some are more successful than others. Especially her sister, who's very successful at trying to connect with her. And there's a lot of missteps along the way, including, you know, relationships with women that don't go well Mm -hmm. because they're coming at it from a certain perspective of perhaps, you know, being lesbian and perhaps having a very specific gender identity that Maya doesn't share. Mm -hmm. I also wanted to note that Maya is a Ravenclaw, so I want to, you know, share a little love for a fellow Ravenclaw there. (laughs) Um... Once again, the Hufflepuffer ignored. There's no Hufflepuff named in this story. Although, I'm I'm getting the vibe that the dad might be a Hufflepuff. Mm, There we go. And he seems like a good person, as most Hufflepuffs are. Yeah. And do you have any questions about this at this point? Not really. It it all makes sense to me. I mean, I know you have a diverse uh, selection of friends, and these sorts of inclusive issues are a concern to you. Mm Mm-hmm. So I'm very happy to see it shown and explained to people who may not understand it. Because I've had to have stuff like this explained to me. Right. And I want to encourage people to read this, especially if you're feeling unsure about some of these issues. Uh, I, I think going along through somebody's personal experiences who are actually living it is more powerful than just reading an article about it. Mm-hmm. So I highly, highly encourage it. Reading and, first-hand experiences will help you understand it than reading about someone's second-hand experience with that person feeling it. And one of the most powerful parts in this happened a couple times when Maya had to go in for a pap smear, which of course involves opening of the vagina for the introduction of a speculum and you know gathering cell samples, mm-hmm. and is absolutely traumatic for Maya. Because to Maya, her, their uh, vagina is just a thing that's there. It's not a part of Maya's identity. Mm -hmm. And it being opened was just a horrible, horrible experience. So much so that afterward, they don't finish at one of them. The second time, the doctor says you know what, I'm going to get you a prescription for some anti-anxiety and pain meds, and you take those when you come back. So 
so we can do this without me feeling like I'm physically abusing you, basically. Mm-hmm. And it, it's brutal. Mm-hmm. I felt it was brutal. And being somebody who doesn't have this myself, uh, I, I can't imagine the sort of body dysmorphia involved. Mm-hmm. So the, I, I want to kind of jump to the end here and jump to after the book was published. I should note uh, that I kind of buried the lead on this a little bit. The After this book was published, it became one of the most challenged and banned books in America in oh. schools and libraries. Of course. And Maya responded to it with an op-ed in the Washington Post, uh, complete with original illustrations. Oh, that's great. And basically summed it up as saying... When I was a teenager, I relied on my library. I needed it. It was a lifeline for me for understanding people who weren't like me. And I would have loved to have had more about transgendered people. And when you take this away, you're hurting them. Mm -hmm. And I agree with that. So in this journey, Maya ends up uh, picking Spivak pronouns... Advancing in their life to the point where they are actually creating graphic lit, including a memoir, which they never thought they'd do, mm-hmm. and including all these life's experiences. For example, there's one where they're playing a board game that, I mean, you can guess what the board game is by seeing the illustration. Uh-huh. And, you know, one of them's like, do you want to trade brick for wheat? I, we know what it is. Thank you. And... Uh, uh, Maya is playing with a cousin and an Aunt Sherry who came out as a lesbian long before Maya was born. And Maya says, thanks. Um, what do you two uh, think would happen if I asked the family to use different pronouns for me? Because this is something that Maya was talking about, pushing these specific pronouns and asking others to use them. Uh, Maya learned these from a friend, and I, I'll just read to you what the friend says. Okay. I use the specific pronouns A, M, R, as in ask M what A wants in R, T. A, M, R. These, these were fairly popular once upon a time, but aren't heavily used anymore, I don't think. I think Probably because um, they're kind of complicated. Yeah, uh, I think so, too. No offense to anyone who uses them. Right. And and I don't think they've become common in mass use. But anyway, the aunt says, what pronouns do you want? Maya explains and says, I realize they sound kind of made up. And then the aunt says, everyone in this family loves and supports you, so I'm sure they'll give it their best. The cousin says, but we'll also mess up a lot. Hey, I sympathize, bro. I really (laughs) do. What's more important, people changing the words they use for you or changing how they think about you. Maya says, if people could just switch to thinking of me as gender non-binary, that'd be amazing. But the only way I can think of to initiate a switch in thinking is to start with words. And the ant looks concerned and says, if you ask me to start using new pronouns for you, of course I will, but I'd like you to explain why. Right now, I don't understand, and I'm going to keep asking until I do. Your happiness is very important to me, but I have a hard time seeing this trend of FTM, which means female to male, trans and genderqueer young people as something other than a kind of misogyny. 
a deeply internalized hatred of women. Uh. And Maya responds, I don't know how to explain that that's not what it is. And this is, you know, there is a generational shift here, including between the old lesbian gay community and the modern community. Because in the old lesbian gay community, they're as binary about gender as the straight folks are. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's lesbian, there's male gay, and then the bi people who can't figure out what they are. To that worldview. Not, I'm not saying that, to be mm-hmm. clear. Please don't say... You can send me hate mail if you want, but at least do it over something I actually mean. I'm talking about... <laughs> trust me, I'll give you chances. It'll happen. Uh, but that is something I've heard many times mm-hmm. from, you yeah. know, this sort of old worldview. Mm-hmm. And to that worldview, somebody that wants to transition from female away to male, which is actually not what Maya wants. Mm-hmm. Maya doesn't want to be male any more than female. She just um, wants to be... They, they just want to be Maya. A. Sorry. A. <laughs> okay. See, it's hard, right? <laughs> um, and it doesn't help that when we say something like female to male, our brains automatically lock on a feminine pronoun. Mm-hmm. It's hard. And th- this is hard for them. And, and it's confused. And part of their confusion uh, is also initial confusion for us in reading the story because A's sexuality uh, is involved with this kink of kind of the imagination of having a penis, but without mm-hmm. physical stimulation. Mm-hmm. But that is actually separate from the gender identity. Mm-hmm. And I actually have known straight women with that kink. Mm-hmm. So it, it is a disconnected thing, but it causes additional confusion. And it, I have known straight women confused about this and if I just think to myself after reading this memoir if a straight woman's confused about it how is somebody who's trying to figure out their gender identity at the same time Mm -hmm. it's incredibly confusing Mm -hmm. so by the end of the story life has moved along it's gotten better but it's not perfect and they're still trying to come out in a lot of their day to day life including the classes they teach, but also kind of embracing who they are and learning to kind of dress fabulous in a way, Mm -hmm. if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. And embracing this non-binary gender state of being what I I call androgynous fabulous. Mm -hmm. You know, lots of colors, lots of floral print, you know, wearing their heart on their sleeve with flags, you know, ostensibly looking mostly male, but nothing masculine, so androgynous. Mm-hmm. And it's great. Uh, mm-hmm. Now, Maya, I should note, became a librarian, um, which I think is an honorable profession, mm-hmm. unlike, uh, you know, most of the things I could have picked. So I applaud it. And. Begins teaching classes about drawing comics and making comics and how, you know, pacing affects everything, but still finds it very hard for herself to come out to the class mm-hmm. and say it. And that leads to its own form of guilt because they're worried it will become a political statement. Will they get fired? 
will that's you know this make some people uncomfortable that's always the worry about coming out with anything will right. I get fired over it right so I, I don't want to go on and on and on I've, I've skimmed over this so lightly there's so much more that can be talked about in this and I will provide in the show notes a link to the uh, Washington Post op-ed that Maya wrote and I want to encourage you to read this. You know, most of the time that I do these class sessions, podcasts, I, I try to cover story in such a way that you can get a sense of it without reading it yourself, uh, without taking away so much that you could really enjoy reading it if you choose to. Mm-hmm. This one I really want to encourage you to read yourself. Mm-hmm. So, any parting thoughts? No, I'm just trying not to cry. There are some pretty emotional parts in it, but I think the message is ultimately uplifting Mm -hmm. and wonderful. Mm -hmm. And it is hard, but there can be light at the end of the tunnel. All right. Well, keep reading comics, folks. Have a fabulous Pride Month. Um, And, yeah, be good to each other. Mm -hmm. Bye.